Welcome back to Revolution Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett doing the special live broadcast here at Revolution.Radio, the leading free speech network. My website is truthjihad.com. And we're going to move on to more critically important issues that don't get covered properly in the corporate-controlled mainstream. Well, let's uh, start with 9-11 back in 2006. I got witch-hunted, ultimately more or less forced out of the University of Wisconsin in slow motion. They they let me stay and teach for a while. They couldn't find anything wrong that I'd done, but I wasn't invited back to teach the next year. And the reason was that a bunch of Republicans in the state legislature and their allies in media and perhaps the Bush administration had been persecuting me to turn me into a whipping boy that is a scapegoat for the 9-11 truth movement. And I fought back achieved uh, six months of 15 minutes of fame and uh, had a good time fighting with Republicans. In fact, I had Republican Representative Steve Nass uh, being my PR agent, making sure that large crowds would gather whenever I spoke because he would put out uh, announcements and, and pillory me and it would make the newspapers. And so my events were very successful that year. So uh, anyway, Things have changed, and today it seems that the local Wisconsin Republican Party is becoming much more friendly to what are pejoratively termed conspiracy theories. So let's talk to the point man in this effort to wake up the Republican Party and feed them some red pills, uh, Rolf Lindgren. Rolf Lindgren is the campaign manager for Barrett for Congress 2008, and he's now working for the Republicans and having these well-attended meetups in Dane County Uh, spreading the truth about all kinds of controversial issues. He's basically doing my radio show, but for Republicans and in person. Amazing. Let's talk about it. Welcome, Rolf Lindgren. How are you, Rolf? I'm doing really good. I hope I'm uh, connected well. Okay. Yeah, me too. I I just heard a message from the producer that he was hearing some double audio. That's gone. Okay. So you got that fixed. You got headphones or something now? Yeah, everything's cool. fixed. Okay, well, so tell us about it. You're uh, doing something that I never would have dreamed possible, which is uh, bringing so-called conspiracy theories to Republicans in well-attended live events. I can't even get left-wing radicals to come to my live events. What's your secret? Okay, well, first of all, the word conspiracy theorist is so overused that it's frankly doesn't have any value at all. In fact, it probably just draws attention. If you're called a conspiracy theorist, all that's going to do is someone's going to want to know, what is this guy? He must know something we don't know. Um, The people who get called the conspiracy theorist the most, I would say, is is Trump is first. It seems like everything he does is a conspiracy theory. And then Senator Ron Johnson is also constantly being accused of being a conspiracy theorist. Of course, neither of these people are true conspiracy theorists in the negative Framing, but they're just people who basically argue the truth. And the, the, so, first of all, being called a conspiracy theorist isn't isn't bad. And practically every Republican who likes Trump is called a, a conspiracy theorist. So the only people who aren't called conspiracy theorists these days are basically Democrats or, or Republicans that hate Trump, like people like Liz Cheney. Okay, you'll never hear that she's a conspiracy theorist. Okay, now what I've been doing... Well, minute, I've, she, she says there's a conspiracy of Trump supporters to take over the Republican yeah. Party. So she is a conspiracy yeah, well, she, well, she tells... Yeah, that's, I know. And the, the, I mean, the, the biggest conspiracy of all was the one that the Russians connected up with Trump. I mean, I've worked on a lot of campaigns. And, you know, the first thing anyone who works on a campaign knows is that, that you're not going to win an election because the Russians... You know, I worked back in the day for for Ed Thompson for governor, and like I said, nobody ever said, "Oh, if we could only get the Russians to help us." We'll, maybe you we'll you didn't have any KGB help on your side. And I mean, you were running for Congress. Now it's yeah, been, I, I what, never got third, any Russian help either. Did you get the? I mean, did, did, did you ever sit down and say, "Oh my God, if the Russians could help us, we could win or get more votes"? Of course not. But it, it's first of all, that's a that's the biggest conspiracy theory that because it's completely fictional it's completely based on bogus it was a it was a media operation you know the cia and the fbi and the state department and the justice department all got together with the new york times the washington post and cnn to cook up a gigantic conspiracy in fact it just proves that the that the jfk conspiracy which people said you're going to have the cia and the fbi you know well now 
now we just had a conspiracy where all those entities, including the White House and law firms and the Clinton campaign and and other organizations, all together in a giant conspiracy that's that's been proven to be true. There's already enough public documents to prove the conspiracy. Now, to me, I'm just looking for the truth. And I know you are, too. I'm looking for the truth. So I don't really care if something's called a conspiracy or not. I just want to know what's true and what isn't true. You know, now, I think I tr- it's interesting that, that you've got the local Republicans interested in this sort of thing, too. You've been giving yeah. away books on 9-11 and you know, Pearl Harbor and things like that. Well, I want to yeah, explain that. I, but I, I joined the Republican Party seven, seven years ago, and I've been – bring i had a lots I, I had thousands and thousands of books in my apartment i decided that i didn't need like 5000 books i could get along with 500 so i went through all the books and i also have connections i can get free book i know people who own bookstores things like that so what i've been doing is bringing books free books to republican meetings either they're not necessarily republican party meetings Often they are, but they're just organizations that are basically Republicans. And I've been bringing these books. I just set them out and say free books. I've been doing this like once a month for seven years. Now, the most popular books are books by Mark Levin. He's very popular. There's also not, there's only, they're also harder to find. Books about Trump right now are the second most popular. There's a lot of books about Trump, pro Trump books, not anti Trump books. Then the third most popular would probably be Bill O'Reilly's books. Bill O'Reilly has a lot of history books. Like, yeah, but they're they're basically garbage, aren't they? Like well, the JFK one about is, the one about JFK is garbage. I never bring that one. I don't bring the JFK one, but I do bring the one about like Reagan and Patton and Lincoln. Those are actually pretty good. There's one about the the Japanese and the war of you know this World War Two. There's there's some they're actually you know, I, I don't know if Bill O'Reilly qualifies as as red pilling anybody. Well, well, okay, well, let me explain though. The, I'm just telling you that I'm not bringing all anti or anti. I'm not bringing anti Republican. I'm bringing books that people like. I bring any books people from Fox News. Whenever they have a book out, I, I get one. I find their books or old you know old books from people who are either on Fox News or have shows. Then I also bring a lot of history books. Is standard history books like World War II, Civil War, Founding Fathers, some stuff like that. And then I throw in a few novels to make it a little different. Like I'll find books, either mostly historical novels or murder mysteries. So these are all the books that are out there sitting out there for free. But mixed in, if I find a book about the JFK conspiracy or the 9-11 conspiracy, there's, and they're not as easy, to, they're not that easy to find. The JFK is easier than 9-11, and there's also books on the Pearl Harbor, and I, I'll put those books in there mixed in, so if there's if there's 50 books out there, there might be one or two that are, that are, you know, so-called, quote, conspiracy books, and, and some people take those books, and some, I don't know if they read them or not, they probably, some people do, and it's just another perspective on on the issues because because not everything's a, a conspiracy. I mean, we kind of know the basic what happened in World War II. We know the Germans invaded Poland and the Germans invaded France, and then the British counterattacked and the Americans got in. And, but then then there's a few things that are I believe are conspiracies. I think that 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 FDR knew that that the Japanese are going to attack. He, he knew it was. So what did he do? He, he first made the, sure that the aircraft carriers were not there. And I, I think also he didn't expect that big of an attack. See, I think that, that I think that FDR wanted the Japanese to attack so he could get into the war. He wanted to get into the war and he wanted an attack, but he just, he didn't know it was going to be that big. He didn't know there were going to be th- Two or three thousand people killed. Yeah, so you you actually gave away a copy of Robert Stennett's book, Day of Deceit. I had a copy of this book that was taken the last event. That's a very well researched book about about Pearl Harbor. You know, it's got all the stuff in there. The stuff about how the airplanes were parked right next to each other because they they were. He was told the the commanders were told of, to watch out for sabotage. So then you bring the planes from from instead of having the planes spread out and near the edge of the airstrip, you bring you put them in the, all in the middle. Of course, they're all in the middle. Then it's easier to bomb the airplanes. 
Okay, you know, then then they had reconnaissance limitations. They were only allowed to go out like 30, 30 miles. I mean, if they had real reconnaissance, the Japanese attack may not have worked because they might have located the Japanese. And in the in the book by Sinnott, and there's other books about about Pearl Harbor too. That's not the only one I've had. Mm-hmm. I've gone through. I mean, put it this way, I've gone through thousands of books in the last seven years, thousands of books, probably at least 5,000 books. You know, it's it's interesting you bring up Pearl Harbor right now, because in the first hour of the show, I was speaking with Ron Unz about his new article on the USS Liberty attack. And there's an interesting parallel there in that in both cases, the American president seems to have been complicit in deliberately allowing uh, the or encouraging uh, the murder of a very large number of American sailors in a foreign attack on American ships. Exactly. There's a book about the USS Liberty. It's I think it's called Attack Liberty or Target Liberty. It's there a, there it's, are a lot of them, but the, the key one is is Operation Cyanide by Peter Hunnam. Okay, I don't know if I've heard of that one, but I can't remember the name exactly of what the book. I know there's a really well-researched book that came out about ten years ago. I, that book, I've I've had a few copies of that book, and someone 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 took it somewhere because I know that I had. Like I said, these are mixed in with a lot of standard Republican books. You know, books about cutting taxes, books about cutting regulations. You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't I don't put in books though that are anti-liberty like overtly anti-liberty. So I don't put in books. The Communist Manifesto, about, for example. Yeah, well, I might put, actually, I, I would put that in as a joke, but not, not as a, you know. Yeah, books, you're, you're probably books not going to convince too many Republicans. I mean, I've, I've had books, I've had a few books in there that is a joke, like books by Hillary Clinton, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I've had I've had a few copies of those mixed in, but they're, they're oh, yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, my favorite Hillary book is, uh, is is uh, we came we saw he died he <laughs> uh, McCain. I mean books about McCain. If I put a book about McCain out, no one will take it. Nobody likes McCain anymore, even though he was the nominee not that long ago. Also, books about Mitt Romney. Nobody well, wants you know, those McCain's anymore. His father orchestrated the cover up of the USS Liberty incident. Yeah, I, I know, but yeah, and 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 uh, trust me, very few Republicans like McCain anymore they so, so, so how is the the party seems to have changed I mean it's not obviously not just your books that are doing it oh, no. but I, when, I, when I spoke at that event you know we had sort of a joint event and it was ma- mainly your event you event you brought a whole bunch of Republican candidates for local office and so there was a this you know this moderate small you know kind of small yeah, those Republicans are all you know they're not they're not professional Republicans. Right. So they these are candidates running for smaller local they, they offices. They were people basically who were recruited to run for for office. But they were all they were pretty much all hip to 9/11 and JFK and things they, like that. I was amazed. Just about all, except for the one guy that left early. But but that's true because <laughs> they were all they were all like, they were kind of like libertarian candidates or you know they 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 didn't have a chance to win. So they they were sort of they, the alternative they, Republican slate. So they had nothing to lose by getting quote connected up with with this stuff that's for, that's the first thing and they but, like but, said, but they, it's interesting that, that there's so many, vote. so many people who are conspiracy theorists can vote too and you know this q thing it's the latest thing some of that stuff is pretty kooky but the fact is those people could get to vote they get to vote and uh some of the stuff that they tell you about is probably true you know they 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 come up with other stuff that i know is not true but but some of the stuff i don't study it but they 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 believe various so-called, quote, conspiracy theories. I mean, there's a lot of people that are against wearing a mask. I mean, the the Democrats want you to believe that if you don't support a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate, that that's some sort of a conspiracy theory. Well, also, they they think that if you don't completely embrace the official mainstream media and uh, governmental and CDC line on all things COVID, then you're some kind of crazy conspiracy nut who's getting everybody killed. Exactly. Um, so any, any any skeptical free thinking of any kind, good, bad or ugly, is uh, is completely outlet. It's outlawed now. You can't even post stuff on Facebook anymore. It's crazy. Trump just started his own social network. Trump, it's called Truth Social. And it just went public two days ago. And the stock value already went up 800 percent in two wow. days. Trump well, you should, should have bought some shares. Well, I should have. But 
um, tr- Trump bought the company for close to a billion dollars, and the the the, the site is not really launched yet. It's really going to be rolled out between the fall and next spring. It's and if you read an article on the regular mainstream news about his his new website, it's so ridiculously slanted that I mean, if you really want to know about the the website, you would think it was the dumbest website ever. Well, we all know that. It, it, first of all, the, they, they they don't even tell you that the stock went up. They they'll tell you, oh, the stock investors are are stupid or or whatever. Well, are they really stupid? You know, Trump Trump has the biggest. See, see, you wanted to know why is the Republican Party changed? Well, first of all, people got sick of Bush. That's the first reason. Can't and, blame and, them. And they also got sick of losing. Then when Ron Paul came along. Ron Paul emphasized three things, essentially, was anti-war, he emphasized the Constitution, and when I mean the Constitution, I mean actually reading the text of the Constitution, and then the third thing was he was against the Federal Reserve, so he's a critic of the Federal Reserve. So and those, and those things, are great issues, plus he's a man of personal integrity and, uh, and a certain charisma, so he, he was great. I, I wished he had won. Yeah, well, remember he ran twice. He ran in 2008, so he announced in the early of in 2007, and he was running. Remember, he was having those money bombs. Remember, if you remember those, where he raised six million dollars in one day, four yeah, million. Yeah, I, I think he gave the establishment a, a scare at that point. Well, he did. And in a lot of election and, fraud. Uh, you know, I, I, I came to this election fraud a lot a long before most Republicans did. I thought Ron Paul got cheated. Well, he it was well, the, the way the news media covered him was a joke. But then, then, then his son ran for Senate in 2009 and was elected in 2010, Rand Paul. And then back, and then all of a sudden in 2011, Ron Paul ran for president again and for the 2012 election. Both elections, the Republicans said the same thing: we have to, the, we have to get McCain. He, we, Ron Paul can't win. We got to get McCain. You know, Ron Paul can't win. We got to get Romney. So then, of course, Romney and McCain both lost. And it wasn't even really that – I mean, it was not really that close either. And so people were fed up. And Trump obviously had been studying the strategy and tactics of people like Ron Paul and other people and also different issues. He was studying – I don't know if Trump studies anything, but Steve, well, Steve Bannon might have been studying it. Steve Bannon was studying it too, but Ron, he was obviously studying the tactics of like Ross Perot. He was obviously studying this stuff. And then remember, there was also the Tea Party movement. Now, the Tea Party movement really started with with Ron Paul. Now, some I've heard claims that the Tea Party movement started with Ross Perot. And the, frankly, frankly, Ron Paul made a coalition of different people, including many Perot type voters. But then, but then, and the, but then there was the so-called what I call the commercialized Tea Party, which started in 2009, right after Obama took over. It wasn't very long that you had this new commercialized version of the Tea Party, which kind of mixed in what Ron Paul was saying a little bit. But it was more, you know, it was more. Well, well, Rolf, you, you know, the, the actual origin of the Tea Party was that in well, Boston, in, in two, in two, no, I was there when it happened in Boston, 2007, the 9-11 truth uh, event and the Ron Paul event happened simultaneously and in the same neighborhood, and some of the same people overlapped. Now, we had a 9-11 Truth Boston Tea Party where we threw the 9-11 Commission report in the harbor, and the Ron Paul people saw that and in some cases participated, and the next thing you know, they had started a Tea Party movement. And remember, Ron Paul had a had a, a, fun, a money bomb on December 16th, which is the it's the date of when the Boston Tea Party was happened in 1773, December 16th, 17th. So Ron Paul had a money bomb on December 16th that raised six million dollars in small donations. And then remember, just before that, he had the one on November 5th, you know, the the Guy Fawkes Day that would raise four million. But so that those were that's the true beginning of the Tea Party. But then what, what I'm trying to tell you is that is that then the what happened was the commercialization of it from a real underground group or whatever. Then then the, some big players got involved. You know, people started to piggyback. I'm a I'm in the Tea Party. You know, everybody was in the Tea Party. And it was a leveraged buyout or a hostile takeover. Well, they, what they did is they brought in abortion. 
the people who are pro-life started to come into the team. You know, I remember Ron Paul was pro-life. Too, yeah, but, it just be, it just became kind of the, the more hardcore was, element. Of the it was more like anti. It was the, the main issues were that they agreed on would be anti-tax, uh, anti-regulation, anti-abortion, and, and pro-gun control or, or anti-gun control. And, you know, things like that. I mean, they all said they were for the Constitution. I mean, at least they were reading the Constitution. They were handing out copies of the Constitution. I mean, they certainly were doing a lot of that. But that's that's what happened. And then Trump came in. Remember, he announced in 2015. And he took he doesn't use the the Tea Party term because he probably decided it wasn't a winning term in a, in a general election. But he. He basically is kind of like the Tea Party, where he was able to take a coalition of different groups and get them together. And he brought in the immigration issue, of, you know, basically following him. Well, he said he was going to build the wall. So, you know, and like I said, obviously the immigration issue was put on the table. And because because basically the way people see it is that is that all these illegal aliens come in. They've been coming in since since the 60s ever JF, after JFK was killed. And there's their kids and grandkids are all voting, and then that's that's a supply. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, what's the, what's the JFK vote. connection? Well, JFK, JFK didn't didn't all the illegal immigration flooding all started after JFK was killed. Right, and, but I don't I think there's really Johnson. much of a connection there between the JFK assassination and uh, illegal immigration. How many different things happened under Lyndon Johnson that were bad? Well, yeah, okay, I'll, yeah, yeah, we were Vietnam talking about war, the USS Liberty, the USS Pueblo, you had the Department of Education being massively expanded, you had the first major gun control laws, you had the nationalization of insurance, federal insurance law, massive things were done under That's under the great society. The great society and and all that and all that America happened great after society again. And we also had the assassination of Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King. All this stuff happened under Lyndon Johnson, a, ma- a really long list of bad things. Vietnam, of course, yeah. And the Vietnam War was the worst of them all. But but there was a whole bunch of things long term. Many of these things, other things are maybe worse than and also, you know, remember that the welfare state really got cranked up with Medicare, Medicaid. Now, now right now, people depend on it, but. But uh, you can't. It's hard to get rid of it. But if people depend on it, and they've been paying taxes for it their whole life. What are you going to do? You have to. You have to. You have to keep it at least until you figure out a way to do something about it. Nothing can be done about it right now, so it's not an issue that's worth t- discussing. I mean, for so, so Ralph, we only have a few minutes left. So, what, what's what's the future of conspiracy theories in the Republican Party? Are, the biggest are we see- conspiracy theory of all is going to be Trump's. Re-election in 2024. If you think what so you've seen, that? yes. If you think what we've seen in the past is big, I think. Okay, remember they they created a virus to stop Trump in 2020, and they barely were able to get rid of him using the virus to screw up the economy. There's a good Republican conspiracy. Screw up his rallies. Let Joe Biden campaign from the basement. It stopped the deep state perp walk by by Durham and did all, all kinds of things. I think they need another plot. They're going to try to stop Trump in 2024. And I think that one possibility is they could tilt an asteroid out of its orbit, <laughs> claim it's <laughs> heading oh, towards man. the earth. And then, they, and then they, everybody's got to do all this. The asteroid's coming. We got to prepare for it. Ever seen those asteroid movies? Everybody's got to prepare for the asteroid hitting or the, maybe uh-huh. a, it could be a rogue comet. Then, Trump, of course, will resist the centralization, and then after wait a minute, Trump, just the Trump election, will endanger American lives by uh, refusing to follow then the, asteroid then the asteroid will miss the Earth. Then the, that's what they'll say after the election. It'll open, it missed the Earth. That's one possibility. I'm just ah, throwing ah, that out there. Okay. Uh, nuclear, a nuclear war could be orchestrated somehow, or World War Three, I suppose, could be orchestrated. Well, they, they, like, do I seem, don't think, they seem to be working on that, don't they, with this uh, China thing? Uh, but you know, I, I, I would hope that uh, that that won't happen. But again, we you know in the first hour we just heard about how Lyndon Johnson did apparently conspire 
to uh, attempt to murder over 400 American servicemen on the USS Liberty in order to possibly start World War III, to attack Egypt quite likely with nuclear weapons and attack Russian bases in Egypt specifically with American nuclear weapons. So we missed World War III in 1967 by 10 minutes. So you really can't exaggerate what American leaders and politicians... I don't, I don't think that the global elite actually want World War III. I think they want lower-level wars where they can make money and most you know most of their businesses aren't going to be affected so yeah, that's, that's my follow the money that's uh pretty follow much the uh, money. says it all well speaking of follow the, the money only we... trump can stop it he's the biggest name out there since julius caesar okay uh, hail trump <laughs> hail you wear the eyes of march trump all right. That's Thank right. you so we much. Don't want for all the eyes of talking to you. Yep. Keep keep up the uh, uh, spreading the truth and the red pills among the local Republicans. I'll try to make one of those meetings one of these days. Okay. Great. Excellent. That would really shake things up. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere uh, disguised though. I, I'm still planning to. Name. I'm going to work up a lecture for Republicans called uh, "Which of Trump's Conspiracy Theories Are True?" And I'll go down the list and I'll show you that maybe half or so are pretty more well than half. I would say they're all true. Okay, all well, we can, we can debate that. <laughs> okay, Cyril. All, all right, thanks a lot, Kevin. Okay, take care. Bye. That's Rolf Lindgren, local Republican Party activist who's red-pilling the, the, some of the local Republicans who are getting labeled conspiracy theorists. People like Senator Ron Johnson here in Wisconsin is now the latest conspiracy theorist. And it's no longer Kevin Barrett is the Wisconsin conspiracy theorist. It's now Senator Ron Johnson. He's He's stealing my stuff. <laughs> he's stealing the limelight. Oh, well. All right, well, we have our second guest on in this hour, and that's Joel Hirschhorn. He's a, an activist from way back. He's a Ph.D. metallurgical engineer. He hates it when I mention his great work for 9-11 Truth, so we will just brush over that and get straight to his latest article, which was published at World Net Daily. Uh, Joel headlined it, Data Manipulation Pushed Pandemic, and World Net Daily uh, rewrote the headline as How One Big Lie from Fauci Turned the World Upside Down. And this gets into a very important point. The infection fatality rate or IFR versus the case fatality rate or CFR. Uh, somebody wants to scare us about COVID. I wonder why that would be. Hey, welcome, Joel Hirshhorn. How are you? Hi there, Kevin. Glad to be with you again. Yeah, it's always good to have you back. We've, we go way back. What's it been like? Almost yes, 15 do. years now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I admire your work. You've got a lot of uh, really fresh interpretations of things. And so now you're you're one of those notorious uh, COVID dissidents who's probably going to get banned and silenced and deplatformed <laughs> and canceled from all the social media. <laughs> so you're 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 still on top of things. <laughs> yes, I am, and I never was on social media, so I, I can't get banned. Okay, you 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 were canceled even before you you were pre-canceled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, but you're writing for World Net Daily, which has a pretty big audience. Uh, so, well, so tell I write us, for a bunch of uh, websites, actually, about six websites. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see your stuff periodically, and you know, I've been a fan ever since we got into that, that constitutional convention thing uh, back in the day. But you know, now you're working on on the the issue of, uh, of well, COVID in the way that only one approach to COVID is acceptable in the mainstream, and these uh, there are some other interpretations interpretations that are unwelcome and getting people canceled if they're already if they're on social media. Uh, and, and so your article, I thought, was great because it, it actually very clearly expressed a point I've tried to make in debates with um, the senior editor at Veterans Today, Gordon Duff, who seems like he's deliberately confusing the uh, case fatality rate. Uh, for COVID, which is in maybe, you know, two, three percent or whatever, with the infection fatality rate, which is much lower. And I can't get this through Gordon's head. Uh, he thinks that the CFR case fatality rate represents your chances of dying if you catch COVID. And I keep telling yeah. him it doesn't. So maybe you could explain it in such a way I can point Gordon to this radio show and tell him to listen. <laughs> well, to begin with, the case data is next to meaningless. OK, it's just meaningless. It, it, you know, they, they just create that data out of thin air almost, okay? It's just, it has no accuracy. It has no great meaning. So the only thing that matters is infection fatality rate. And we, there are ways to get good infection uh, fatality rate uh, numbers. And, I, you know, I did a deep dive into that in a recent article. And the thing I want to emphasize <clears throat> is that Fauci himself intentionally confused case fatality 
state infection fatality rate at a congressional hearing. You know, the thing I want to emphasize uh, for your listeners is that this pandemic, you might say, was created by China with the virus. But another way of looking at it, the pandemic really was created by Fauci when he lied in front of Congress at a congressional hearing, March 11th, 2020. And he said something that, you know, I realized recently was a complete lie. And, and it really created the pandemic. And what he said basically was that the fatality of the China virus would be 10 times greater than the fatality from the seasonal flu. And so I went back and really dug deep into that. And of course, that was a lie. <laughs> uh, and, and the fatality, even with today's data, I want to emphasize this, this, this virus that we COVID, the virus really is not that lethal, not that fatal. And I want to emphasize that. If you're under the age of 70 or maybe 65, this virus is far from lethal, uh, very far from lethal. Most people well, wait, 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 are. Joel. This, this, is a, this is a good time for me to quickly just interject that um, actually the, uh, up until a few days ago, I didn't know anybody in, in real life who had died uh, from COVID. Uh, but then just two days ago, my, my good friend, John Shuck, a regular on this radio show and at False Flag Weekly News did. He died, he died from COVID uh, uh, a few days ago. And, uh, you know, may he uh, rest in peace, Allah Yohamu. He's a, a wonderful guy. And apparently he, he did get a really uh, kind of quick and intense lung infection. And I know from other skeptical doctors, like my friend, uh, Dr. Eric Beef in Brussels, Belgium, that while it's true that it's treatable, uh, he says, and it's this, the fatality rates are, are probably in the neighborhood of sort of one in 200 ish. That is actually still high. That's quite a bit higher, not 10 times higher, maybe, but quite a bit higher than seasonal flu. And, well, I, I would need Kevin to ask you a few questions about your friend. How old was he? Uh, about my age, 60 or so. Okay. So he's up there. Did he have underlying medical conditions? I don't believe so. Okay, it's unusual somebody at that age without underlying medical conditions <clears throat> to die from COVID. Now, the other thing I would say is that he shouldn't have died. In fact, virtually nobody today should die from COVID because we know how to treat and cure COVID. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm a strong proponent, and my, my book is a strong proponent, of the uh, the generic medicine, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which are being blocked for use in the United States by Fauci and the government. But even if he was in a hospital, I can tell you, I know this very well. I work with a lot of physicians around the country that most physicians in most hospitals do not know how to treat their COVID patients very well. So... Mm -hmm. I'm just yeah, telling I, you the reality here. I, I, yeah, I understand. They, like, I don't think John was able to to get the, the, uh, the you know I, ivermectin and so on uh, early enough. And, and when I had COVID in July, and my lungs were kind of kind of messed up for for a couple of months actually, uh, and although the flu part went away pretty quick. Um, uh, and and I didn't you know because they made it so hard to get ivermectin. Uh, and, and other treatments, I, I figured, well, I probably won't get it fast enough to make it even worth it. You know, it would it'd probably take me a few days, and by then the benefit would be kind of incremental. Uh, so it, it is kind of a scandal, isn't it, that they've uh, basically said, you know, they're tr really trying to make it hard uh, to treat people, and Eric Beef is, is outraged about this. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I have about a 1,000 pills of ivermectin. I get all my ivermectin from various places in India. I tell people all the time, you don't need a prescription, and the cost is very, very low to get your pills from India, okay? Yeah, I think it would be a smart idea that, to lay up a supply ahead of time so that if you ever need it, you'll have it right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, everything that you've heard from the government, from Fauci and President Biden, everything that they say about the pandemic is a lie, propaganda, misinformation, disinformation. Again, this pandemic was 
implication in that congressional testimony. There is no need to take the vaccine. I want to be real truthful about that also. Literally nobody, again, less than 70, should be taking the vaccine. Certainly people like you who had COVID, you have natural immunity. And I can tell you all the medical research shows that your natural immunity is better, more effective, and longer lasting than vaccine immunity. Okay? So that's the truth. I I don't think that's not even seriously disputed anymore. Well, yes, it is disputed by the government. Well, (laughs) it's it's, it's, looks like. Yeah, because let me tell you why. They're They're not giving any credential. For people like you, you can't get a piece of a paper, a card that says you're as good as having been vaccinated, okay? Because you have natural immunity. Yeah, that's interesting. They're not interested in, in testing you. Uh, it's it's how much does it cost to to do one of those uh, antibody tests to find out if you if you've had COVID? Well, you see, the government. That's another thing. The government has never promoted this testing for antibodies. It is promoted in Europe but not in the United States. So it might be expensive today because the government is not promoting the use of antibody testing. But you know you've had COVID, so you don't even need a test. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know you have natural immunity. That's right, because what the way that my family uh, caught it and the way I caught it and so on with uh, with the symptoms and so on, it was all it was very clearly COVID. And it, it was weird. It was not a little it's different from a normal flu. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't had it. Uh, I actually got vaccinated stupidly back in January. I wouldn't do it today. I do not intend to take any booster shot. I think scenes, by the way, let me be clear about this. I'm going to give you a number. It's how many Americans have died just from taking the vaccines, just from the shots and the jabs. I'll give you a number that I know is pretty damn accurate. And that is at least 150,000 Americans have died from the vaccination, not from wow. COVID. Now that, sounds like, from that, the that vaccination. sounds like a very high end estimate from what I've seen, but go ahead and explain why no. you got that. Well, I, I follow this very, very closely. And I'm telling you, there are people who think it's higher than 150,000, the people that I, be, I trust. But I've, I've seen an excellent, there's a wonderful analysis. Somebody looked at all of the data, and the bottom line was that at least 150,000 Americans have died from just taking the vaccine shots, okay? Well, you know, that's, that, that's interesting, that, Joel, because that, that would actually explain a, a puzzle uh, in in the data, which is that a number of a couple of studies, at least uh, that I've seen, seem to show that despite whatever benefit people are getting from these vaccines, and of course the claim is that it's 90% plus protection, but despite that, it, it appeared that when they compared the all-cause mortality to unvaccinated people uh, and compared them to vaccinated people, they found that it was. Uh, about the same, in fact, a slightly greater all-cause mortality among the vaccinated people, which really makes no sense. And that means that if, if that's true, then getting vaccinated actually is not helping you whatsoever, statistically, in terms of no. life expectancy, which is bizarre. Uh, and, and what could possibly be the answer, the reason for this? And I suppose well, you've just offered well, one well, possibility. I'll give you some real facts. I mean, I only deal with data and facts. And I'm telling you, that these, excuse me, these vaccines do not work. They do not work. They lose whatever effectiveness they had, which was only for the original variant, by the way. They lose their effectiveness pretty much within six months, okay? That's why the last article I wrote was on these people dying like Colin Powell from breakthrough infections. You're going to see more and more people die from breakthrough infections, okay? It means that they've been fully vaccinated and yet they're getting COVID and many people are dying. And I I can give you more numbers. How many people are dying from breakthrough infections? I'm telling you, don't trust the CDC data. It's next to useless. I'm telling you 10,000, 20,000 easily have already died from breakthrough infections. And in the coming months, many, many more people will die from breakthrough infections, okay? These vaccines do not work. 
they find ineffectiveness pretty quickly, okay? And they do not work against the Delta variants, the new variants, at all. So the idea of a booster shots is insanity. It's giving people vaccines more of the same crap that doesn't work, hadn't worked in the first place. Hmm. Well, that, that's not quite how I've seen, read the data and interpreted it, but it's, it's, it's kind of an exaggeration of the data that I've seen, which suggests that they do, the vaccines actually do seem to lower the chances of the vaccinated person experiencing a very severe COVID or dying from COVID, they substantially reduce those chances, at least for a while. Well, first, they, for the first month, they actually increase your chances of dying from COVID. But then after that first two weeks or month, uh, for about six months, you have fairly good protection or really good protection. And maybe six months later, it starts to decline into sort of good. It's gone. And it looks like it declines pretty fast, according to some critiques I've seen. But so, Wait, and that means, so much yeah. data on this, Kevin. Within six months, and we have wonderful data out of Israel. And by the way, wonderful data that shows the countries that have done the biggest mass vaccination programs have the the worst pandemic data, the worst pandemic data. The more you vaccinate, the more deaths you have, okay? This is indisputable now. Yeah, but it's a very slight effect, actually. I saw I saw this uh, worldwide comparison at, at both, at, and then I also saw another one looking at countywide data in the U.S. And in both cases, it did seem that uh, the percentage of vaccination was not protecting the populations. There was actually a very right. slight correlation uh, showing no. that actually the unvaccinated uh, areas seem to be doing a little better overall, but not not a lot better. Well, but when we look at country data in particular. We really have disadvantage of vaccination. And by the way, we also have wonderful country data showing the good effect of ivermectin. Mm-hmm. So I just want to be real clear. We have country data from India, Indonesia, and now Japan. If you want to knock down COVID and become pandemic-free, wide use of ivermectin is the answer. And it's interesting that that's so taboo. Now, I remember um, a year ago or so, I had on radio guests like medical doctors, Dr. Eric Beeth from Brussels and uh, Dr. Merrill Nass and and others who were telling me that ivermectin was was good. It was stronger than uh, hydroxychloroquine, which was all the rage back then. Everybody was arguing about hydroxychloroquine, and the media was telling us that this was a a Trump lover's uh, kind uh, of uh, a quack medicine that didn't work, blah, blah, blah. But nobody talked about, you know, they weren't dissing ivermectin yet. And so these doctors were telling me ivermectin is actually better than hydroxychloroquine. And look at this data that it looks like it's it, it works pretty well. Uh, but then in the, the year since then, it seems that the media has gotten on to ivermectin and now it's the new hydroxychloroquine that has to be associated with the, the Trump contingent and so on and so forth. And it's constantly being attacked and uh, derided as as a kind of a, a quack uh, medicine. But right. in fact, the data looks it doesn't look so bad, does it? No, the data is absolutely astounding. I'm amazed when I look at the data, the largest state in India with 240 million people a few weeks ago declared they are now pandemic free. Okay, the data is unequivocal. Same with Japan, same with Indonesia. And I, I work with a lot of doctors, physicians around the country. I'm telling you that the doctors that I work with, uh, each of them, uh, I'm thinking of Felicity, uh, California, uh, Dr. Zelenko in New York, they each have dealt with over 6,000 patients. They don't lose any patients. They cure them. They're still using ivermectin, and some of them still using hydroxychloroquine also, and some other things like zinc and and a simple antibiotic. But we know how to cure. We know how to prevent COVID, okay? This whole pandemic, I'm not a conspiracy nut, but I'm telling you, the whole pandemic is a farce. It is absolutely insane uh, that we have been killing people in, for a number of reasons, holding back the ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, uh, bad hospital treatment is very common too, and the vaccines, by the way, don't work. I wrote I wrote a, a great article. You should read it about vaccine-induced blood problems. People are dropping dead within days of getting vaccine shots from brain bleeds because they're 
There is a spotting problem. It's, it's killing off. Uh, it's just destroying the blood in people's bodies, okay? And that's the spike protein, by the way. The same spike protein, which is toxic, which is from the COVID virus, that's the same spike protein that's in the vaccines being used. So, Joel, can you can you send me links uh, supporting your data on the number of people that you say are dying uh, from vaccines? Because your your numbers and your description are much more alarmist than what I've seen. And I, I do follow oh. alternative sources on this. Well, yeah, there, there are people who, who are throwing out numbers much larger than my number that I gave yeah, you. I yeah. can tell well, you that. It's in all ranges of numbers, but among the people that are obviously uh, documenting their work really, really carefully, I haven't seen numbers that high. Well, I have, and and uh, I think I'm being cautious. I'm being realistic. I don't try to hype things. Uh, simply out about this, that, that people are dying uh, all over the world, particularly a lot of great data out of Europe, uh, people dying from the vaccines there. Uh, and, and so this is an, a pandemic of, of the vaccinated, basically. Uh, and, and by the way, you can't get rid of this this virus by just vaccinating more and more people. And vaccinating people under 70 yeah. is absolutely destroying their immune system. The, the, you know, we should look at cost. I mean, not cost, but risk-benefit ratios. And if you're under 70, the risk of a vaccine is far greater than any benefit. You are and, not and that, going to... Joel, that, 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 that's possible. Uh, but, you know, what, what is the age cutoff where the benefit is greater than the risk? And 70. people can you, you, you say 70. And again, that's kind of on the high end from what I've heard. However, it not it crazy that they're insisting now on vaccinating little kids? I mean, there's how could they make a case for that? It's insane. There is no case. Not, nothing that the government is doing. I want to emphasize this, Kevin. Nothing the government is doing in this pandemic makes any medical sense. They are not following any science whatsoever. Yeah, it, it kind of almost does make you start, you know, joining the, uh, you know, the, the hardcore conspiracy contingent who's basically saying that it's, they're trying to kill us all off. Well, you know, we haven't even gotten into the part that actually scares me the most, which is that the vaccination may, the, the mass vaccinations may actually be breeding a worse virus uh, they are. and actually making it worse. Yeah, I just want to be clear on this. The medical research on this issue, guarantee I'm, I'm correct on this, it is the vaccinations which are creating the variants. Okay? Mm. Because they, they just, it's hard to explain in simple language. But when people get vaccinated, the, the nature of, of what it does in your body is that it kills off, you know, if you still have it, the original variant, the alpha. And then it, it, the viruses are real smart. They, they always try to mutate and survive. And so there's now compelling research showing the more you vaccinate, the more you promote new variants. That is medical reality. So what Israel is doing, I, I hate to say this about Israel. There's some great data coming out of Israel, but they are just killing off their population because they they are just foolishly, foolishly. When you look at countries where the, the vaccination rate is 80% or greater, they have the worst data now. And you can look all over the world, Kevin, on this, really dig into the literature. All the countries, all the countries with vaccine rate 70 or 80% or more now have terrible COVID data. Okay. That's yeah, yeah, well, the Joel, let, let, let me let me question you on that because, like the people that I followed that make sense to me, like Alex Berenson um, and some you know related oh, types. A, yeah. The, well, these I people. I'm not a fan of Alex Berenson. He doesn't really? Help. Okay. Okay. Well, w w maybe you know. So you're you're following slightly a you know different group than I am, but the group that I'm following is saying that what it looks like is happening based on the official statistics from different countries is that when the the country gets a high vaccination rate, it's actually transferring the risk more towards the unvaccinated. So that the, according to these guys, 
the vaccine is creating a certain amount of protection from death and severe illness, but you're not getting an overall lower COVID rate. On, on the contrary, you're getting a slightly higher one, and it's disproportionately targeting actually the unvaccinated, although there are some breakthrough cases too. So the overall death rate, the overall serious illness rate actually uh, stays the same or goes up with mass vaccination. And that means that people who are getting vaccinated are shifting the risk onto the unvaccinated and killing the unvaccinated by breeding these variants, which are going to come back and bite them, too, eventually. Well, let's be, you know, there's so much science here that that you're not, I don't know whether you're aware of. If you're vaccinated, you have viral load. I just just put this reference in my latest paper. Actually, it was research done in Wisconsin, by the way. The viral load in vaccinated people is just as bad as the viral load in unvaccinated people. You have to understand that. that if you're vaccinated, you don't you you will spread the virus. Whatever whatever virus gets into your body, the vaccines do not kill the virus. Let's emphasize this. The vaccines do not kill the virus. So when you get vaccinated, get virus in your body, it is not killed and you transmit the virus from your body to anyone else that's around you, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, okay? And and these vaccines, contrary to what you seem to be saying, they are not effective. <laughs> that's why the best doctors in the world, the very best doctors, for months have been saying, stop the mass vaccination all over the world. It is not the right approach. It is not a good solution to deal with this pandemic at all. I, I have so many references on this. It's in a lot of my articles. The very best doctors say stop the vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, 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 that's been my conclusion, too, although based on maybe not quite as uh, radical an interpretation as yours. But I, I still get to the same point of agreeing with people like like Vandenbosch that uh, it looks like the case for vaccinating everybody is is wrong it's it's not just weak it's uh it's a huge risk i mean the whole we're experimenting on the entire planet's population right now absolutely and looks like a very risky uh (laughs) low benefit high risk experiment yeah well we're killing people unnecessarily you know over four million people have died worldwide over seven hundred thousand in the united states all of those deaths could virtually all of them could have been prevented if we would have used the generic medicines, if hospitals and physicians... By the way, I want to be real clear about that. We only have about 30 seconds left, Joel. 90% of American physicians don't know what the hell they're doing with regard to treating COVID. They don't. (laughs) Okay, and uh, maybe you can send me a link where people can go to find uh, what you think is solid information. I'll post that at the radio blog, which people can find by going to... Well, you you can get a year on my list. You get all my articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, yeah, but just in terms of where where to go for good treatment and things like that. Well, thank you so much, Joel Hirschhorn. It's great having you back. Uh, take care and keep up the great work. And bye, pandemic blunder. <laughs> okay, bye, pandemic blunder. You're Take care. Thank you, Kevin.